Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. Next week, we observe Yom Ha'atzmaut, Israel Independence Day. And I want to take this week and next week to share some thoughts about Israel. But they're very personal thoughts. They're stories. Experiences that I've had in my many visits to Israel, most of them leading groups from the synagogue and from the community. Experiences that resonate with me and hopefully will resonate with you, those of you who have traveled in Israel and those of you who have not yet done so. Because I think they, these stories express how much we can learn and how much we can confront when visiting Israel and how much we can enjoy when visiting Israel as well. I want to make it clear that I'm not going to talk about politics in this particular set of episodes. I've done so before and I'll do so again. This time I just want to talk about experiences that I've had. This week, a very serious experience and what it taught me, what I learned from it and how it's affected me as a Jew. And then next week, some more humorous, anecdotal kinds of stories that hopefully will resonate and you'll, will remind you of similar stories that you've experienced. But today, the serious story. I visited Israel for the first time during my third year of rabbinical school in 1979-1980. I was there for the entire school year, for eight months. I had never traveled to Israel before. I had never been that far away from home before. And the year was a year of tremendous growth for me in many ways. In many ways, I was looking forward to going to Israel because I loved to travel and I had never had the experience before of being in Israel. But there was also a certain amount of trepidation. And the trepidation came from the fact that the previous two years of rabbinical school had been years in which I had really solidify what it was that I wanted to do as a rabbi in the United States. I'd become very active in Jewish educational settings, including, most importantly, Camp Ramah in New England, where I'd spent summers, and I really wasn't ready to be confronted, or I really wasn't looking forward to being confronted with an entire, entirely different set of priorities and a different perspective. But that's the only way we learn, by confronting different perspectives. And so, despite my trepidation, I looked forward to the challenge. My first couple of weeks in Israel were really eye-opening. I enjoyed almost everything I was doing. I, I saw new places. I tried new foods. I had new experiences. And then, a couple of weeks after we arrived in Israel as a group, we traveled to the northern part of Israel, through the Jezreel Valley up into the Galilee, with the idea in, in, in our program of visiting different institutions which had either some connection with the conservative movement or some way, some, some important ideas relating to Israeli society. So one day on this trip, we found ourselves in Kibbutz Mishmar HaEmek, a non-religious kibbutz classical Israeli kibbutz in the Jezreel Valley. And very shortly after we arrived there, and we were going to have a tour, and it was the first time I had ever been in a kibbutz, 
A few of us found ourselves standing with a group of teenagers from the kibbutz, high school students, as I recall, 16, 17 years old. And I think they were somewhat mystified why anybody would want to be a rabbi, especially people who didn't look like the rabbis that they knew or that they knew from, from Israel, who were mostly Orthodox rabbis, obviously. Here we were, looking very American. I remember I was wearing my baseball cap at the time. And one of them came up to me and said to me, why do you want to be a rabbi? But it was said in kind of a mocking, or if not mocking, at least incredulous way. And I responded, because I love Judaism, because I want to share experiences with people, the holidays, etc., and because I want to teach Torah. Well, something about saying I wanted to teach Torah caught this young man's interest. And he said to me, hold out your hand. And I held out my hand. And he reached down into the dirt and picked up a clump of mud and dropped it into my hand and said, Zot HaTorah Kula. This is the entire Torah. And he walked away. And I stood there with my hand dripping of the mud, thinking about what had just happened. What had just happened in that particular moment was exactly what I was afraid of. I was afraid that I was going to enter into a situation in Israel where people would tell me the only thing that mattered was living in Israel. The only thing that mattered as a Jew was standing on the soil of the land of Israel and that nothing else mattered. And that's what I think he was telling me. Whatever you think Torah is, Torah is the land, the soil of the land of Israel. Now, that particular incident, combined with a great push that the leaders of our movement in Israel made to encourage us to make Aliyah, it's telling, in, in certain ways telling us that American Jewish life wasn't worth our time, angered me terribly. And it sent me really back for the first couple of months, really enjoying the potential that Israel could give to me and the learning that I could do and the enjoyment that I could find. I finally worked through that. And I worked through it because I found, of course, that so many people in Israel would have rejected that statement that that young man made because there was such wonderful learning going on. There was such wonderful activity happening in expressing the highest, the most important of Jewish values. And certainly I found many people who shared my vision of what Judaism could be, who shared my love of Torah and shared my love of teaching. And so that incident kind of faded into the background for me. And I found myself much more at home in Israel in the sense that finding people who I, who thought the way that I did, who didn't challenge everything that I stood for as an American Jew, as a diaspora Jew. So I got overcame that particular incident. But as the years went along, I kept thinking about it. And over the years, 
I began to think that even though that might have been the message that that young man was get, trying to give to me, that there's a way of understanding that particular statement that reflects absolutely a, a critical truth about Judaism. And so I found myself over the years reinterpreting that story and taking away a different lesson from it. And the lesson that I began to take away from it was that Torah really means nothing if it's not grounded in the real world, in the land that we walk on. As a Jew, to walk on the land of Israel means to connect with my history. But as a Jew who has not made Aliyah, who has not emigrated to Israel, who lives in the diaspora, my land in a certain way can be just as sacred if that land is influenced by Torah. If the land that I walk on is influenced by Torah, then it becomes sacred land in its own way. Our homes become sacred when the, the foundation is of the values that are important. Our communities are important. They become sacred when we live by the values that are important in our tradition. There may always be a special way in which the land of Israel is more sacred than others in a philosophical, conceptual way. But what's important is that the, wherever we find ourselves can be sacred as long as the Torah we believe in is reflected in the way that we walk on the land, the way that we stand on the land, the way that we live our lives in whatever land we live in. There's a part of me that knows, as I just said, that Israel is an extraordinarily important place for the Jewish people. And it's very important that we concern ourselves with what is happening there, that we take the opportunity to know the land, to visit there, and to support institutions which in the land which reflect our values, which reflect our priorities. But I honestly believe that what I learned in the long run from that particular incident on Kibbutz Mishmar Hamek was perhaps exactly the opposite of what that young man wanted me to, to learn, which is that Torah makes whatever we land, whatever land we stand on, whatever place we find ourselves sacred. As long as the place that we are, the place that we find ourselves is influenced by Torah and the values of our tradition. Next time I'll tell you some stories about the, the delightful stories, the fun stories, the unique stories that I experienced traveling in Israel. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. As always, you can email me or uh, send me a Facebook message. And then next week when I tell these other stories, I'm hoping maybe some of you will tell me, again, your own stories, your own unique stories that show how critical 
how, how enjoyable, how meaningful a visit to Israel can be. Until next time, thank you.